You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome. Episode 10. It is episode 10. Double digits. I'm allowed to think things are weird now, which is great. I <laughs> uh, hope everyone's staying safe. Mm-hmm. Be smart. Be smart Be and safe. safe about your protesting. And, you know, just do what you can, no matter yeah. what it is. Also, if you don't think Black Lives Matter, don't fucking listen to us. <laughs> also, if that's the case, don't listen to us. Yeah. You're not welcome here. This is not a yes. safe space for you or whatever. No. So that's that. And then we'll continue on to episode 10. Episode 10. <laughs> I feel like we should cheers since we didn't cheers yet. Cheers. Cheers. We didn't say our name yet. We That's haven't we done that. Cheers yet. <laughs> We're in a mood today. Mm-hmm. I saw people for like the first time today. I did a yeah. little like work thing this morning. I've been up since 7.55 <laughs> in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's great. She got some good. sun. Yeah, I'm a little, my face is a little red. It'll be fine. It'll be good tomorrow. It'll be normal tomorrow. It's just a little bit of pink. So, awesome. Yeah, the difference between the two of us. Yep, I get she a gets... tiny bit pink and then it turns into tan and Martha's just burned. Yeah, I'm pink and then I'm red and then I'm red and then I'm peely and then I'm <laughs> I was white say again. Molding, but okay. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so... Also happening right now, which we didn't talk about when it started because I don't know any of the dates. But it's- <laughs> dates didn't start happening until I mentioned it last week. Yep, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but it is Pride Bye. Month, so we are actually bringing you a special edition for Pride Month. Pride both edition, us- yes. Yeah. Both of us are making sure we hit mm-hmm. up a topic on that. Queers for um, queers, exactly. Uh, big deal for us. Yeah. Both of us are very supportive and part of the group. going to say. So, yeah, I already did a pride ride with my gay best friend, John. So, <laughs> over FaceTime, because he's in Massachusetts and mm-hmm. I am in Nevada. Also pandemic. <laughs> and there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We could have separated our bikes that's six true. feet apart. I guess that's true. <laughs> you just have to not talk very loudly yes. because that makes it travel yes. longer. Yes. Or dumb. we could really separate ourselves and, and then yell you'll to just, each other. Which will be probably better for you. Yeah. I'm very loud True. if you couldn't tell <laughs> um, so yeah this will be this will be airing at the end of the month not the last tuesday of the month but, but the one the before yeah. yeah so we wanted to make sure we got it in also by now we should definitely have the news yes. of us joining the eso network <laughs> Earth Station One. Yes. We're very excited. This is a big group of nerds. Our friend Kevin, who is our editor as well. And the host, one of the hosts of the Flopcast. Yes. Is a part of it. And he's one of the, like, chair people, quotation marks. Something, something, whatever, something. Of it. And we're excited to be part of this super nerdy network. We'll make our own separate announcement, which hopefully by now we've already made. But figured we'd mention it in real time, real time. of what's happening. And then you'll hear it. It's fine. It's cool. So real time is fake time. Time keeps on slipping. Means nothing. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clink! We should have gotten the beer for at least this stream, so we could have had a clink. 
dicks. Yeah, it's fine. Next time. Well, I would like to say that we'll remember that in a week. We won't because we'll <laughs> have beer in a week and we'll just drink our seltzers. True. <laughs> All right. So, Martha, you start today. You start so first. I start today. I am going first. I'm excited because I... I'm always excited, but I'm, like, really excited to know what you're going to talk about today because of the topic. Not going to be super surprised. But it's not, like, as obvious as, like, but also, Sailor yeah. Moon. Well, unless it is them. Did <laughs> <laughs> I guess it? Obviously, that is not not me being super surprised. The only other one that maybe would have been more would be Utna. I was and you say, already I just did Utna. So... <laughs> I just do it now. I've only watched Shira twice so far, so I have to get into that some more. There's a lot of things. And also, if we're talking about things that have influenced my personal queerness, Sailor Moon is, like, very, very high on the list. So today... Sorry, I sniped that. It's totally fine. It's really fucking cute. <laughs> yeah, so today I'm going to be talking about Sailor Moon and the queer themes and characters within Sailor Moon. Yeah, so instead of doing, like, anything too specific, I'm just going to go... Overall. Broad. Yeah, exactly, because there's a lot of it that I'm, There's like, going to be a lot of me chiming in on this oh, yes. one. I warn you now, because mm-hmm. we, both all, have we are both have a lot of Sailor Moon feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even go, like, we were both already talking about how we have a lot of ammo for this topic. Yes. (laughs) There are already things that I, like, didn't talk about that I could have talked about, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) Next year. (laughs) Pride Volume 2. Next year, you say, or maybe a topic two or three months down the line. (laughs) That's also fine. (laughs) We can get into specifics later, but let's go over the whole main big fucking thing today. Mm -hmm. So, my sources today... Um, Wikipedia, obviously. You could just say that that's always going to be a source, but I'll name Wikipedia it Wikipedia and fandom, always yep. a source. <laughs> um, I also used Wikimoon, which, cute. And then a couple of articles. One was Sailor Moon and the Queer Art of Questioning Gender and Sexuality on Fangirls.com by Claire McBride. The Resplendent Queerness of Sailor Moon by Michael Mimano on Den of Geek. Too Many Girlfriends, Sailor Moon's Censored Life in the U.S. by Bookmans. There's never too many girlfriends. Sorry, that was my tidbit. Agreed. One of the 900 that's about to come your way. (laughs) It's going to be a long episode, guys. I warn you now. Yeah. And then Sailor Moon is the bi-icon we need on Medium by Anthony Gramuglia. Sorry for butchering your name. Gramuglia. I didn't read it out loud first, and I should have, so here we are. So, for a second, I am going to bring you back to the 90s. We are children of the 90s. Born in the late 80s, we were kids in the 90s. Yes. Slap bracelets, tiny eyebrows. Those gel shoes. Those... Teeny tiny sunglasses Ugh. that didn't cover your eyes fucking at all. Fucking bell bottoms that fucking went out to here. <laughs> Do you remember the shirts that also flared on the sleeve? Everybody had weird elven sleeves and it was like burnt velvet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if you've ever tried to go pee with burnt elven s- sleeves, but it's a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Brent Elvin Sleeves is going to be my new band name. Our folk band. I play just a like weird liar or something like that. All of the, we had the best cartoons in Disney We had movies. the best cartoons. We had the best Disney movies. We had the best boy bands. Um, and 
Back Spice then, Girls. I could crimp my hair, and it was okay. <laughs> Lol. You can still crimp your hair. I'm just going to make fun okay of you for the rest I said of your you life. You can crimp your hair, and it was okay. It's, it's not so... okay anymore. Don't crimp your hair. It's not cute. It's so... You look like a, somebody... I had a crimper. I was going to say... Now I can just kind of braid my hair and get the crimp style. But, like, I remember crimping my mother fucking hair and like going to like a six year uh, six year old a sixth grade band concert <laughs> this got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse I played the clarinet oh that's so cute because <laughs> my sister played the clarinet Crimping. so we had one but yeah, so I was bringing you back to the 90s because I wanted to bring you back to also all of the like shitty derisive gay jokes that are made by straight people which let's be real Straight people aren't as funny as anybody who's queer. Period. End of story. Don't at me. That's just the way it is. Yeah, so, and I couldn't figure out the way to properly Google this to find, like, how were queer people treated, blah, blah, blah. But basically, gay characters in the 90s, we all know, or those of us who were around in the 90s, were an afterthought or a joke. And occasionally you would have some brave gay TM who was likely white, and there, likely he, whole story was about being gay and brave and living a hard life. And it was more sad, blah, 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 nonsense. Ew. That has its place, but also it can't be the only place. (laughs) And it was the only place for a really long time. I don't want to see sad gay things. I want to see fun gay things. Yeah, and I took a look to see about uh, LGBTQIA representation in the media for kids and younger teens. And on Wikipedia, there was a note about it being more likely since 2010, but it had been incredibly scarce before then. It's been more the norm recently, but canonically queer characters who aren't just a bit part are getting bigger and bigger, and they're finally figuring out that we're people, which is cool. And that sounds sarcastic, but it is actually cool. Yay. We're finally getting somewhere. So Sailor Moon started originally as a manga series written by Naoko Teikuchi. It was originally serialized in a magazine called Nakiyoshi from 1991 to 1997. And then they published it in 18 manga volumes. This series follows the adventures of a schoolgirl named Tsukino Usagi. As she transforms into Sailor Moon, she leads a group of comrades, the Sailor Senshi. So the manga was adapted into an anime series, and then it was broadcast in Japan from 1992 to 1997. Sailor Moon was formative for me and a lot of other nerds who grew up in the 90s, and then people who later on found it as queers and adults who were like, oh... Something where they actually do a good job at representing us. What? Gasp. Sailor Moon began re-airing after having some trouble getting off the ground due to the time slot and then um, getting petitioned to be put back on the air. So when Sailor Moon first started airing over here, it was starting airing at like 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, And then they had like 12,000 fucking signatures on a petition before the internet. Damn. To bring it back. So it started airing on Toonami in uh, 1998. So I'd be like 11 or 12 at this point. Just kind of figuring out my interests, figuring out where they'd go from there. Sailor Moon was how I made a lot of friends, both in real life and online. And because it was a show with literally a ton of female or non-gender conforming characters, it meant me and all of my people had people, separate people to aspire and relate to. 
everyone wasn't all just the Pink Ranger or more recently, we didn't all just have to be Black Widow. Neither is bad to aspire to, but putting all of one group in a single box means that nobody has any space for themselves. And actually, so there's a word for this, which I looked up on Wikipedia. It's called the Smurfette Principle. Whenever there is just one female in an otherwise entirely male ensemble, it establishes a male-dominated narrative where the woman is the exception and exists only in reference to men. Gross. But yeah, with all of that said, Sailor Moon did a really good job of making sure that they had lots of different ways to be powerful and to be a woman in power, but also to be queer, which was crazy fucking rare. And yes. also basically made the main male useless. Yes. And like, Not that I don't love him to fucking death, but all those memes... Mamachan is in- incredibly important in that he is like anything. the support. Yes. And like that that is his one role. He yeah. is the support and I he is a distraction for two seconds so you can bounce back and defeat the So thing. you can realize that you are powerful enough to figure this yep. fucking shit out. <laughs> and and also he's the best boyfriend in all of any I'm sorry. There are no better fictional boyfriends. They're the only straight OTP that I have, or not straight, but like hetero OTP. And so Sailor Moon did a really great job and make sure that, like I said, they have lots of different women. Like everybody can pick their own. There's 10 senshi, and that's just the main people. And there are still a lot of other characters. So there's always somebody for somebody, which is rare and then to have that they all have like different personalities totally different personalities they're different people yeah and like their fashion is totally different which no not at all they had a, a lot of different ways to be queer which is rare now and was incredibly fucking rare for the 90s like trying to find canonically queer characters and representation nowadays is still not easy like it's easier but it's Just because it's getting better doesn't mean that it's easy to find. And cartoons with queer characters. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of Sailor Moon's characters are canonically explicitly queer, but there are so many hints that you would have to be straight or blind to not see them. (laughs) Um, And granted, a lot of what's... Yeah. Also, don't support homophobic people. Yeah, go away. Don't listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not here for that. <laughs> also, a lot of the lexicon of what is appropriate to call queer people has changed. So I feel like maybe in letting things be defined for what a character did within their narrative and who they actually loved has worked in that context. That said, having somebody explicitly say, yes, this character is queer, it's canonical, you can't argue it, fuck off, is also thrilling. And Sailor Moon has both of these. Um, So without more chatting about me, and without more unnecessary nonsense, let's get down to it. I started to think about where I wanted to start, and let's be real, it's obviously our girl, Sailor Moon, Tsukinu Usagi, Usako, Bye, Icon. I love her so, so, so much. Yeah. I'm going to refer to her as Bye, but she could be Bye or Pan. That's all very complicated, and we're not getting into that. So she is, as we both know, destined to be with Mamochan from the beginning, and their love is true and real and monogamous, and, well, assumedly monogamous. You know. 
Yeah, question mark. Dog and miss, but I could, I could definitely imagine them being They'd like, probably hey, invite a couple people in every now and then. Tr- and let's do this. But it would definitely be a very, like, this is an experience for us. Yeah. You know. But the fun thing about sexuality is that it doesn't go away when you're in a relationship. So if you are bi and married to the cutest boy in the fucking universe, which is Mamochan, yes. you're still bi. Yes. Um, where is the evidence of this? Literally <laughs> all of it. The whole fucking first season and literally so, so, so much more. This is from the Usagi Zabai icon, blah, blah, blah. One that I mentioned earlier. Sailor Moon herself is, in my opinion, one of the best examples of bisexual representation across all media. Sailor Moon is in a particularly deep series. It doesn't explore the difficult aspects of queer life in any fashion. It isn't challenging. It isn't intended to be anything more than an escapist fantasy. But I believe it's for this reason that Usagi is a perfect queer character. It also makes it that it's just like, since they're not putting emphasis on the fact that she's clearly bi or Mm -hmm. pan, whatever, that... It's like, it's just normal. It's who she is. Yeah. That's not the point. She's mm-hmm. fucking Sailor Moon. That's the point of this show. Yeah. We're not putting anything special on this fact because it's not special. It's just, it's just who, she, who is. she is. Yeah. But yeah, so the rest of the quote is she represents unapologetic bisexuality that is not demonized, alienated, or treated as odd. It is not fetishized, nor is it sexualized. It is treated in a wholesome, pure, and loving manner. It's just who she is. Yeah. And that's one of the, like, most important things about queerness and Sailor Moon, is that there are a lot of queer characters or characters that are queer-coded, but that's never the, like, important... It is an important part of it. It's never the only thing. It defines them. Exactly. It's just part of them, which every part of you is important, but it's not what defines them. It's not what you just know them as. And so another one of the quotes from this was, uh, many characters claim to love all living things, but Usagi seems to fall in love with everything around her. Whenever she meets a new character, she often stammers how pretty they are while blushing. Despite being in a committed relationship with Mamoru, Usagi crushes on a lot of different people. She's never going to make a move on any of them because... A, she knows that, like, Haruka's in a relationship and this and that. And also, she's very incredibly devoted to Mamo-chan, which, fair. Leads back also to the fact that even if you're in a devoted relationship, you're still bi. You're not dead. You have eyeballs. You can find other people attractive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to go yeah. fuck them. So, also, another one of the important things about Usagi's bisexuality is that it really is the source of her power. Her ability to feel love and affection for others regardless of gender and regardless of literally anything. Like, there's bad people, there's good people, and she still cares for all of them and loves them. And that is what makes her the most powerful character in Sailor Moon, and that is what makes her my bi-icon and forever love. Yeah. She also, at least twice in the series, has a crush on two people who she thinks are men, and then she finds out that they're women, and that doesn't change anything. It's like, oh, well, you're still hot and cute and interesting and funny and all these other things, so I guess I still feel this way, and I'm not a fucking dumbass about it. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I love her so very, 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 very much. So one of the reasons that her bisexuality is so incredibly important and valid to geek culture is that 
where you have like Wonder Woman is by and Catwoman is by, but you never see any of that sort of thing. Usagi's relationships, both with the same and different genders, are all presented as valid and fair and healthy. Nobody looks at her and is like, you can't like this person because they're this gender. They're like, oh, well, you can't like this person because you're with Mamo-chan. She's like, duh, obviously, I'm with Mamo-chan. He's perfect. Yeah, she still has crushes. Really want to be with she still loves, and that's that's okay. And she's loyal to Mamo Chan, and that like he's also okay with it, and very loyal she to her. Does. I mean, she's checking out Haruka, and he's checking out Mitru, and <laughs> I'm checking out both of them. And everything's okay. It's fair. I'm checking out all of them, mm-hmm. all four. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very fair. Let's be very, very real. <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving on from our main bitch um i'm not gonna get into the senshi i would say that probably everyone of the senshi besides maybe haruka is probably bi and maybe pluto who i would say is maybe ace but still by romantic there's yeah. the word i was gonna say which way are we going with this yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> so we also had a couple characters that were changed from male characters into female characters for the 90s dub because think of the children cousin, <laughs> cousin. cousin. Martha you're my cousin really I'm touching right your hand so much cousin. i'm just gonna like lick your hand it's fine Ew, please don't lick i my won't hand. that's gross you've been outside recently I haven't, but I've also washed my hands since I We're probably outside. safe. I'm probably not going to awkwardly <laughs> lick the COVID from your hand. No. Horrible. The worst. But yeah. I also didn't touch anyone, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I think they were like, oh no, Sailor Moon is going to make you gay. Which, I mean, this is my essay about how Sailor Moon turned me gay. So I guess they weren't <laughs> totally wrong, but here we are. Sailor Moon did not turn you gay. No. Sailor Moon made you realize you were gay. Sailor Moon was like, bitch, you're gay. And I was like, oh. No, you're bi. I'm, I'm bi. <laughs> we're going to clear that up right now. Just, <laughs> I'm using gay as a catch-all because yeah. I do it frequently. Yeah. Because bisexuality is commonly erased from everything. So we have to use this random nomenclature. That's how it is. Okay. Characters that Sailor Moon was like, or 90s American Sailor Moon was like, yeah. mm is one of the main generals from the first season of Sailor Moon. He dresses up as a dark Sailor Moon to lure Tuxedo Mask and then Sailor Moon herself in, and also is in a relationship with Kunzite, who is the highest of all of the generals. Also, Kunzite is a dude, just in case you did not figure that nonsense out. I mean, it's fair, because they're all just named after rocks. Yeah. They're all named after rocks. They're all dudes. Um, they are all dudes. Zoicide is... Of the four of them, the most, like, effeminate and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I would say probably you could potentially say that Zoicide could have been, like, non-binary. If we were talking about this today, that would have worked because you still have a fairly feminine character who is still dressing up in female clothes, which that doesn't necessarily mean anything about your gender identity. I would say my biggest argument for having Zoicide as potentially non-binary is that 
Zoasite breaks up the boringness of having four male generals who are all the same. She's also like the voice actor who comes in as her in the dub is like super bitchy and great. And you don't have a super bitchy character at that point. If they changed it for that reason, that would be good. But you know that's not why they changed it. And that's what's annoying. Exactly. If you changed it to actually make it... Mm -hmm. Better by adding in yeah. more. So if we decided to make a female, this either a female or if we decided to just make zoocyte in like a future thing non-binary, then it's still a queer couple. But you also have this cutie who's wearing Sailor Moon's outfit and being like, "I'm definitely a Sailor Moon tuxedo mask. Come over here. I know all of my stuff is purple instead of red for some reason." And because I'm colorblind, you know. Only boys can be colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> Everything got weird. <laughs> Hell. kind of helped your point. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Why do you think that purple is red? They're not the same. And all of his other 90s outfits. Do not go. None of them match that fucking awful green jacket. Oh, Okay. Um, okay. so, another one where we... We could do a whole fucking podcast about Marissa. On their outfits in general, mm-hmm. but definitely. <laughs> Literally, it's one of my topics potentially for the future, but not just Mammal Chan. How are you a model? <laughs> Speaking of models, <laughs> another gender change, or kind of somewhat, would be fisheye. Because even in the Japanese version, you're like, oh, is he a girl? Is he? You don't really even know in the Japanese yeah. version. And so Japanese pronouns are a little bit complicated, too, because so they have the male pronoun boku, but it's also like a pronoun that gets used by a lot of tomboys. Okay. So it's like, okay, now I really don't know what I'm yeah. fucking talking about. Also, they this is less important, but they change, you know, zirconia? The, like, old creepy buddy who brings them to life? Yes. In the dub, it's Zircon, and he's a boy. Mm. I don't think I ever gave that thing a gender. Yeah. So you've got Hawkeye, Tiger Eye, and Fish Eye, who, um, Zirconia takes a hawk, a tiger, and a fish, and makes them into sort of humans. <laughs> um, they're all dudes. I know. And they're all going after what they're attracted to in a person. So for Fisheye, who is more effeminate than the other two, that's more young men. Like, like of age of Fisheye. Young. Not older men. Fisheye also has a big crush on Mamachan, which fair. Who fucking doesn't? (laughs) And then in a lot of the episodes where Fisheye is attracting their prey, essentially, they dress up as a woman. But in... At least one episode, one notable episode, he still dresses up as a man to attract this fashion designer. But it's the 90s, so whatever. But yeah, usually he's trying to attract heterosexual dudes, so he's dressing up as a woman. But as fans theorize, this fashion designer is probably into men, so he just stayed as a dude but still is wearing like lots of dresses and fun things in that episode because it's fashion, baby. And so that had fans theorizing that canonically Fisheye is into men, which, duh. Very duh. So Fisheye is the one that bonds the most with Sailor Moon. Fisheye is also the one that figures out what they are and that they have no souls and everything is the worst. And Fisheye and Tiger's Eye are the ones that give themselves up to save Sailor Moon. 
in the anime, even though you see him without a shirt for one point. In the fashion designer episode, he just says he's not like other girls. So in today's terms, I feel like you could say fisheye is very gender fluid, using masculine pronouns while dressed as a man, and female pronouns while dressed as a woman. Okay. OTP time! <laughs> Yay! Yay! OTP time! I'm really excited. <laughs> I know you guys can't see that because we're podcasting. But it's still true, and but you don't have to I fucking see it. It's not to for you. I was my phone, and I wasn't super paying attention. <laughs> and I looked up really excited. <laughs> so, yeah, probably the most well known for all of Sailor Moon's queer representation is Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. They are a couple from the time you meet them, both a little flirty towards other people, but incredibly dedicated and devoted to each other. <laughs> they were also portrayed as fucking cousins in the dub, but they didn't. We just did a bit on. I was gonna say, ago. yeah, but they they really didn't change any of the other things. They still did their weird hand molesting thing. Except for what was his name? Brad. <laughs> I remember my first kiss. It was with Brad. Also, why would you pick the name Brad? <laughs> Mitra would never kiss a Brad. Have you seen Mitra? She's beautiful. Okay. Haruka, Uranus, when you meet her, is actually dressed in the male uniform for Mugen High. And several of the senshi actually think that she is a very cute boy. And they are very close, but not quite there. Very cute. Turns out, as we find at the end of the episode, the first episode with her in it, that she's actually a woman, but very much in a relationship with uh, Neptune or Mitra. So you kind of brought it up a little bit earlier, but neither of them is just a lesbian. Haruka isn't just butch lesbian, and Mitru isn't just femme. They're, they're both very they're butch people and femme on the opposite side as well. Yeah, people and and yes, yeah. Like, even though Haruka is the Haruka is like quote unquote butch one, butch and flirty, Mitru but like is definitely the one that wears the pants in this relationship. Literally. One of my quotes in my thing is, for not actually wearing pants most of the time, seem to be very much in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, their re- relationship dynamic is one of my favorites ever. Like, straight or queer couples, period. The fact that Haruka is so, like, confident and, like, I have shit down. And then Mitru is like, you look cute today. And Haruka's like, I'm a blushing mess. What do I do? <laughs> it's so cute. Ugh. But the point you're trying to make is, even though they're like this, literally even in Sailor Moon, yeah, when they're together, they're cutesy like that, but that's not who they are yeah, at all as characters. Queer is part of your, boring. like, who you are, but it'll never be your one defining yes, character. They have and so much more going for them as well. Mm-hmm. Also, so in the mega, Haruka's gender is even less defined. Haruka defines herself, or actually Mitru defines her as both male and female and has all the like good parts of both. And then Naoka Takuji eventually clarified her position on the, and was like, Haruka has always been a girl and always will be, um, which seemed to settle the issue of that. But also, I feel like today you could either see her as a very butch lesbian or you could see her as a woman who is tense towards non-binary. I feel like like Haruka these days would potentially use she and they. Yes. I think she would use she. Mm -hmm. 
And I would classify her more, like, because she's definitely more butcher tomboy. But yeah. But she can also be very feminine when she wants to True. Be. Because you do have all those cute, There are like, some very the soft last... looks that Haruka does end up yeah. having. So Kind of gender fluid, but tends yes. towards yes. one or the other so sometimes. she can do either, depending on how she wants to feel that yeah. day or you know so whatever like mm-hmm. I personally think she would refer to herself as she and her mm-hmm. but I also feel like she's like nah I'm feeling more masculine today because yeah. she has she with? does that same sort of thing with the boku um the masculine pronoun yes where it's like the tomboy pronoun but it's also yes. like now that we're in a place where other pronouns are more acceptable, yes. it could have been That's, something. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. I still feel like she would refer you know, to herself. It's one of those, if things were created life. now, would things would change? Exactly. And it could be, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had Sailor Neptune, who is our ultra femme head bitch in charge. Hard, hard, hard swoon. Ever. The prettiest hair, the prettiest everything. She plays the fucking cello. Neptune and Uranus also, their relationship is treated with the same sort of gravitas as uh, Mamamoo and Usagi, who are the whole fucking series. And then um, Sumitru is the only Sailor Scout who didn't have to be awakened by somebody else. So she saw her destiny in a dream that she was supposed to become Sailor Neptune. And then she knew that Haruka was supposed to become Sailor Uranus. And so Haruka didn't want to face her destiny and tried to blow Michiru off. And Michiru was like, literally, this is a quote, Michiru's gentle persuasion and light flirting eventually get Haruka to come around. Which, she'd toss her hair once and I would be like, whatever you want me to be. And so the fact that Michiru is responsible for Haruka basically becoming Sailor Uranus seems like it's true love. And the very special thing about Haruka and Michiru is that they aren't very special episode lesbians. They are full-fledged and beloved characters that the girls look up to. This is a quote. As the epitome of a cool, mature couple through the show. The girl's attraction to Haruka isn't brought up for one episode as a teachable moment and then discarded, never to be spoken of again. Haruka becomes as safe to flirt with and seek validation from as Mamoru. Not because her gender invalidates the attraction, but because Haruka would never stray from Michiru. And then lastly, we have our good friends, the Starlights. And, ugh, I know, hard fucking swoon. While gender is wiggly and weird in Sailor Moon anyways, this is, like, the epitome of it. This is... Best of both fucking worlds. Exactly. This is the season that they didn't air in America because they were like, we don't know how There's to make no this work. There's no way to make this better. There isn't any way to better. make this... Better, and I put that as in quotation. It is better. What they said BT dubs. In the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Is, Think of so the children! Bad. I know. Don't think of the children. I was. Don't think of the children. Think of the small gay children who would like to see all this shit. But yeah, the starlights are men when they aren't transformed, and then they are women when they are, especially in the anime. In the manga, they're technically women who dress as men, which is. Personally, I feel like that's just... No, I definitely like them being men and then them being women because that means... <laughs> exactly. Hey. I want full than one. You get... What more can you... Well, what more can a bi person want? Hard to <laughs> Cheers! They're so beautiful and wonderful and like, oh, oh. and Saya is so much. Ugh. Oh. Uh, 
But yeah, so here is another quote. Debuting in the final arc or season of the franchise, the Staler Starlights are a trio of Sailor Senshi from a distant planet who disguise themselves as a boy band for a plot-related reason that no one really questions the flimsiness of because these characters are just that cool and we all really like the idea of them. <laughs> the main difference between the Starlights and Teikuchi's manga and the anime adaptation is that in the manga, their male disguises are nothing more than basically drag, and in the anime, they physically become male while assuming their civilian disguises and revert to female when they activate their powers. Which is better. Which is way better. The one time that I think the anime is better than the manga. I love the anime, but most of the time, the manga has a better way of portraying things. Not in this case. Yeah. So, most fans embrace the anime versions of the Starlights, especially queer fans, for while they're not transgender in the everyday, real-world sense, because you can't magically transition when you throw up a, like, fucking pen or whatever, which would be fucking baller, um, they are coded that way and allow for discussion of gender identity and expression. After all, their personalities are pretty much the same regardless of whatever form they're in, so what does gender matter to them? With Sailor Moon, with Seiya, when you learn that Seiya is technically female, it doesn't change anything. Sailor Moon's still like, oh, you're cute, and I don't know what to do, and also, where's Mamo-chan? But that's a spoiler that we're not going to get into. Exploded on a plane. I guess we are. <laughs> Don't fucking go there. It's a touchy subject. Sorry, you people want to be like, well, me and Ocean, he was exploded on a motherfucking plane. Okay? Also, spoiler alert from fucking 30 years ago. <laughs> there is a fucking time limit on spoiler alert. Yeah, that's on you. But yeah, so basically they couldn't even dub the last season because you had these male characters that were turning into female characters that were turning back into male characters. And they were doing that so that they could find their long lost princess who was hiding. Um, And the best way to find that would be to become male pop idols because it's easier to attract females, especially as hot pop idol men. We all know how that goes. We are 90s babies. We are 90s babies. <laughs> well, we just did a full circle. Oh, we came back to it. I planned that. <laughs> you almost lost your drink. <laughs> so that's pretty much the uh, queerness in Sailor Moon. It is so important, but it is not the focus, which is really the most important, which is the most important part of it all. You see this diverse representation, but nobody nobody in the series ever fucking questions it. They never look at Haruka and they're like, oh, it's weird. They're like, oh, okay, so you're a girl. Cool. Usagi learns that Seiya is female sometimes and male sometimes, and it's like, okay, that's, that's how it is. You're still hot as shit. Um, basically, Sailor Moon, despite being something that was created in fucking 91, understood that gender identity and sexuality... We're just an aspect of a multi-dimensional character. And that's really important. That's part of the reason that I'm the person that I am today. Thank you, Sailor Moon, for being queer as fuck. Happy Pride!
everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. All right. All right. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. I was super excited to listen to your topic. I'm super excited about my topic right now. Your topic. You don't want to try to guess it like I did. I could try. Okay, try. Is it (laughs) Cheryl and Yes? (laughs) I was gonna say by starting, we can actually use our pride shoot. As our fucking oh. photo for our cosplay stuff because we oh, both cosplayed from our pride shoot last year. So yeah, I was like, well, especially when we watched that one episode, and I was like, oh man, I love them. And I was like, oh, we're doing queer shit. I know. So I really, really didn't know what topic I was going to do on Riverdale. It, I was thinking of maybe doing. There's so much. There are so many different topics that you can scope in on that I really wasn't sure. You didn't want to do the serial killer gene. No, I did not want to do a serial gene. Though the the black hood is is interesting, as in I like fucking yeah murder. So <laughs> true crime, I like true crime. So it's like that was something I was looking. But there's so much going on in a fucking um, Riverdale that I didn't know what to do. But I figured this would be a really good topic for Pride. So my Please. topic today is. Please. Tony and Cheryl, a.k.a. Choney, which they actually call as their ship name in fucking Riverdale because they talk about ships in Riverdale. So we're not dating, but our ship name is Martini, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) We don't want to be Britta. We can have really clean water. (laughs) I think we would have to be Britha, which is terrible. (laughs) So... I am doing Tony and Cheryl, and I tried to figure out if I wanted to do, like, a specific thing on them, but I'm just going to do an overbase of how they basically become the fucking Power. powerhouse couple oh. of Riverdale. My references and my my sources today are from a site called Decipher.com, um, fandom.com, and then I did just rewatch Riverdale trying to figure out yes. what I wanted to do as a topic for Riverdale. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched Riverdale, obviously major spoilers. Okay. I'm going to quickly start by doing just a little intro to both Cheryl and then to Tony. I'm going to start with Cheryl. Cheryl um, Marjorie Blossom is the main character in the CW's Riverdale. Of course her middle name is fucking Marjorie. Of course. Is her brother's middle name Loris? I don't. No, it's don't not. Think they I'm sure one, that's not. But. So if, for those of you who didn't know, the Riverdale series is loosely based on the Archie comics. It's not really at all based on the Archie comics other it's than the characters. Incredibly and then they, loosely yes. based. And then they pull a couple random things from it that they Kevin's gay. Kevin is gay. The Archies is a thing at one point. Um, Jughead does have a dog named Hot Dog. But (laughs) other than, and he likes food. But, uh, you know, other than that is basically very loosely based on Archie. Yeah. Okay. 
So Cheryl is the daughter of Clifford and Penelope Blossom and the twin sister of Jason Blossom. Once again, we're going into those creepy twin things that we keep bringing up for some reason. And they are definitely (laughs) some of the definitions of fucking creepy twins. (laughs) Um, She's a student and a head cheerleader of the Riverdale Vixens and is self-proclaimed Queen Bee of Riverdale High School. She wears she, that HBIC. Yes. Ugh. Which girl, yeah. Fucking charge. Mm-hmm. She's a boss and she knows it. And uh, though she is a very privileged and thinks she's basically better than everyone, which she really is. So mm-hmm. she should have that opinion. Oh, yeah. um, she does like to stir up drama, and, <laughs> but she can also be very caring and does help out the main four, which is Archie, Betty, Jughead, and Veronica. Often, she is also a bombshell archer and is super fucking hot. Yeah, we'll get into the archery more. Don't worry. (laughs) And she can fucking pull off the fucking red hair and red like no one because most people who have that red, that natural ginger hair can't really pull off red, and she can do it like it's she was born for it. Super hot. Yes. Yeah. Well, and when you can. Do something that everybody else can't do. It's like double, double hot. Yes. Double, double Seriously. hot. That's another button. All right. So, like I said, talking about Cheryl, at the start of season one, Jason Blossom goes missing during a peaceful boating trip with Cheryl on the 4th of July. She tells the police that the boat tipped when Jason went to reach for her hat that had blown into the water. When she resurfaced, he did not, and she was found, like, soaking wet on a rock, crying, with Jason nowhere to be found. Ah. It wasn't until Jason's body was found many days later, I think technically the 11th was the date, so this was the 4th until the 11th, with a bullet wound in his head, that Cheryl realized that he was actually dead, and it was showed that her story was actually just a cover for Jason. So Jason was actually trying to run off with his pregnant girlfriend, Polly Cooper, who's the older sister of Betty Cooper. And Cheryl ends up becoming totally heartbroken beyond herself with the loss when she realizes that her twin brother was actually murdered and not just ran off. Or fell in the water. Well, fell in love, got this girl pregnant, and then ran off with her. And Cheryl loved her brother so much that was like, I will cover you and make this story for you but he did end up murdered her mother blamed her for assassinating jason in his attempt to run away from riverdale which essentially led to his demise and then cheryl's father always thought of her as a train wreck in comparison to jason who is considered the golden boy and they basically she was she was the narcissist and mom has she was the girl of the twins, yeah. as if we were in the fucking 17th As century. if we were in Westeros? Just say. <laughs> we it's were true, though. It's true. <laughs> it's fucking true. <laughs> All right. It is eventually by the end of the season that we find out that it's actually her father who killed her brother, point blank, shot him in the head. Yes, and on tape. Yes. Yep, on tape. And then I feel like when, if you're the father of some creepy twins, you're gonna be fucking creepy. 
the, the blossoms. Every single fucking one of them but is also, creepy. Look at all of our creepy twins and their parents. True. They're fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they find out that it's her father, when they come to arrest him, he ends up being found. He hung himself in their like one of their many houses on their property. Yeah. Wait, also, they have more than one house on their property? Yeah, so they call them different places. Like, um, Cheryl lives in, I think, Thistle House. Oh, okay, right. But there's, like, different houses on their property. It's tacky to be that rich. So, yeah. They have a big amount of land, and they make their business in maple syrup. So Mm -hmm. they have all these trees, and they have multiple houses on their fucking land. All right. Give us your money, rich people. Seriously. listeners. Seriously. So her mother was never very affectionate, which when we talked about her mother, I even compared her back to Circe because she kind of basically was brought up in this way where this is how she was raised slash to be thought of. And then she never thought outside of the box. And she basically was just doing what she knew she could do to survive and have power. But she was, she never was very affectionate to Cheryl and it went even further into the shitter after all of this. So after Jason and the father died. At one point, Penelope literally turns their house into a personal brothel and ends up having an affair with Betty's father, who is a serial killer. <laughs> and is pretty much the worst mom ever. And a lot of them are real bad in Riverdale, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure Penelope Blossom is the worst mom in Riverdale. <laughs> At one point, in response to all this awful shit, Cheryl burns down her house, nearly killing her mom. But in the end, after a bunch of stuff does happen, she does end up freeing herself and gets um, emancipated uh, from her mother, changing her guardianship over to her grandmother, Nana Rose. Nana Rose is old and in a wheelchair and kind of a little senile, but she is one of the like original people at Riverdale, and she does actually truly care about Cheryl's well-being. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cheryl basically becomes her own guardian at this point. Boss. Yes. All right, now on to my main girl of Riverdale, yes. Antoinette. Tony Topaz. Oh, I didn't know what her name was Antoinette. Antoinette. Yeah. Um, or TT, as Cheryl likes to call her. Yeah. They're cute. They're so shitty nicknames cute. to each other. Make me want to throw up <laughs> and know. die. I know. So she started as a recurring character in the second season, but she and has. Everyone loved her that much? Yes. And <laughs> so she became a regular. In the third season, but basically since then, she became a regular. Tony is a former student at Southside High and a member by blood of the Southside Serpents. She was introduced when she was in Southside High when Jughead got transferred to Southside High as one of Jughead's uh, classmates, one of his first serpent friends, and basically was kind of his only friend and helped guide him into becoming a serpent Ah. and also into Southside High. She was, there was like a quick brief thing between Jughead and Tony, but Jughead clearly still liked Betty and Tony is clearly more into girls than into guys. Though she is definitely bisexual. She is definitely more, um, fair and fair. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Homo romantic. 
So she attended that school until it was shut down by the mayor because the mayor deemed Southside High a public hazard. And then she was transferred to Riverdale High, which is where all of our main characters go to and where Cheryl is Queen Bee at. Yes. She's extremely smart and she's proud of who she is and who her family is. She also sees through everyone's bullshit, will call them on it, but often still meets them with compassion as opposed to aggression. But she's not going to let anyone fucking walk all over her. And this is one of the huge reasons why she's able to deal with Cheryl and why Cheryl is like, you're worth me. That sounds fair. Yes. Cheryl's a lot. Yes, Cheryl is alive, and there are there you have to. Yeah, I was going to say you have to be a very (laughs) specific person to deal with Cheryl, and that's who um, Tony is. Right. So now on to how they became the power couple of Riverdale. So move aside, Bughead and Barchi, which is apparently Barchi, Barchi, Barchi for Veronica and Archie. That's worse. Yes, both of those are awful, and I had better ones for it, but those are their actual names. Yeah, it was. I think I just said Bethead for Betty and Jughead, and for Barchi it was Virchi. I I put V instead of Barchi. You could call them Ronchi, since sometimes he calls her Ronnie, right? Does he call her Yeah, Ronnie they call they do yeah. call her Ronnie. I was gonna say he calls her Ronnie. They all they call, call her Ronnie, yeah. yeah. They also just call and her Ronnie. So. Yes, Come it's on, true. People. Fail. <laughs> all right. So shocking no one the first time they meet doesn't go super well. There is some kind of uh like drag race with actual cars not awesome not the fun that would yes not the drag race we all want but the actual like car drag races between gangs of the south side jughead and archie being one in one of the cars tony being the only south side girl that matters at this point Mm -hmm. and being cute as a button i think i refer to tony being cute as a button like eight times (laughs) because she's as cute as a button Um, usually ends up taking role as that sexy girl that waves the flag at the beginning yep. to set him off. I feel like they might call that the flag girl. Maybe. But uh, Cheryl basically pushes her out of the way and says, not today, Cha-Cha. I was born for this. And Cha-Cha was like one of the first. I thought it was a Grease reference, but okay. Cha-Cha is apparently like a legit like girl that fucking did that. And that's what oh. it was referred to. And then the next meeting doesn't go any better. This is when Southside transfers to Riverdale because their school is closed down. <laughs> Cheryl, of course, has a very low opinion of them, thinking they're all a bunch of low-life gangs, drug dealers, and just all super poor and below her. See, the thing about being poor is that drug dealing is how you make money. So, basically what happened in Riverdale is in Southside High, there's two gangs. There's the Goonies and there's the Southside Servants. right? Yeah. Yes, the, the ghoulies. Did I say you said ghoulies. ghoulies. Oh, no. <laughs> the ghoulies. I don't know what's good happening. Good enough for you. It's good enough. Well, not a reference you're getting. It's fine. <laughs> From the ghoulies. So, in Riverdale, there's two gangs. Or, not in Riverdale. In the south side, there's two gangs. <laughs> Because Riverdale High is in the north side where all the rich people live. Rich people don't have gangs. They just have money and goods. And they buy the drugs. That's from where From them. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So, the ghoulies 
sell drugs and are super shady. And even though the Southside Serpents is a gang, they're like, but we are actually we're good and follow good the law. We drug heads with us. Because for some reason we decided to make Jughead the leader, even though his dad is way older and should be the leader. So yeah, Cheryl, low opinion, obviously, because she's rich and she's privileged. So she shares a few unkind words with Tony. Tony was literally ready to fucking punch her in the face. Archie steps in and then Cheryl just stomps away in her fucking $900 heels like the boss uh, that she pouty. is. A bow. Stop. Yes. Okay, so a couple episodes later, Tony ends up confronting Cheryl in the girls' restroom at school after overhearing her tell Jughead about Betty and Archie's Christmas kiss outside of this little house. Well, Basically, what happened there was both Betty and Jughead were broken up and Archie and Veronica were broken up and they were literally in the climax of fucking figuring out who the fucking Black Hood was. Which is and her then, papa. But yes, which is her dad. And in the fucking, like... You know, minute dramatic oh. adrenaline is pumping. We're about to go fucking confront this this I guess fucking we'll murderer. Because we're yes, and they've they've been best friends forever, so they have this special connection. So they end up kissing, and they're both like, and and this is when they find out, but they talk it out later, and it's not a big deal. But fucking. Cheryl is like, oh, hey, I'm going to cause drama and I'm going to tell you this. such a bitch. Yes. And so (laughs) Tony is in the bathroom and overhears her doing (laughs) this. So she calls Cheryl out on this. And Cheryl replies by introducing herself as Cherry Bombshell and that she needs no reason to do what she does. And Tony is like, fuck you. I see through all of your fucking bullshit. But (laughs) instead of just ripping her a new one, compassionately suggest Cheryl just tell her what is bothering her because she can tell that she's just in pain. Cheryl is like, fuck you, don't fucking touch me, calls her some mean names, and just tells Tony to fucking leave, and and she ends up storming out of the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Their next encounter was when things really started to actually... Heat up? Yes. So (laughs) they were all... So a good chunk of Riverdale was going to see some movie premiere or whatever. Tony ends up seeing Cheryl alone at the movie theater and she goes over to Cheryl and she's like, Hey, what's wrong with you? Like, I, you're <laughs> fucking suffering. What's wrong? Like, yeah. I know this mean girl facade is a fucking facade. Clearly in MCAP, she feels a lot of Yes. Feelings. And first Cheryl responds with being like, are you fucking stalking me? What the fuck? And Stop. then, and so Talk Tony's, to yes. And so Tony's like, no, I was supposed to come here with a friend, but he bailed, but I want to see this movie. So I came by myself. Girl, yes. All of the movies by myself. Yes, exactly. Eventually Tony's like, hey, girl, what's wrong? Like, you don't have to put up this face with me because I know it's fucking fake. So just tell me what's up. Maybe we can we can work through it. And Cheryl does eventually end up letting down her walls. And she replies that she was at the movies alone because she was just trying to stay away from her mother and get away from her house because her mom has basically turned their house into a sexual playpen. Right. And she wasn't doing okay because her mom was basically just sleeping with a bunch of people because she needed money. 
which, you know, each their own, but maybe not do it on your fucking sofa where your fucking daughter can walk in on you. (laughs) So, uh, so Tony trying to be like, okay, let's try to make a better situation of this. Why don't we watch the movie together? So Cheryl agrees and they go and see this movie together. And then after the movie, they decide to go to Pops, which is like the main cutesy old diner that has been in the town forever to get a couple of old cutesy milkshakes with the straws. (laughs) Um, It's so cute and old timey. You know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. And Tony jokes with Cheryl that Cheryl hasn't quite mastered the art of silent tears because she saw Cheryl crying during the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Martha relates to this because she bawls every time she watches fucking (laughs) revolutionary girl Una. And I look over and she's just silently crying. But as soon as I see her silently crying, it's not silent anymore. I'm like, oh, I, oh, you've already recognized the fact that I'm crying so I guess I'll lean in. So, this is really important. We keep laughing but this is like a huge yes. important part of their relationship. When Tony tries to make a joke out of Cheryl crying to lighten the situation but be like, hey, I saw you crying. Cheryl reveals that she usually never cries during movies but because real life is tragic enough mm-hmm. but one of the characters in the movie hit so close to home that she just couldn't help herself. Oh. She then proceeds to start crying yep. as, as she explains to Tony how people in the town view her as a loveless monster but Cheryl ends up defending herself saying that the wasn't true she loved someone who loved her back but her mother destroyed it and at this point tony and every person that watches the show is thinking she's talking about jason but to our pleasant surprise cheryl's referring to a girl named heather who used to be her best friend in junior high she used to have sleepovers with her but one time when she was having the sleepover her mother caught them in bed together and called her a deviant and then was never allowed to see Heather again. Anybody who calls anyone a deviant without laughing about it is a fucking turd. So this is the first time we ever really see Cheryl as like a person other than this weird and privileged a, twin yeah. that just loved her brother. Right. Um, like, but really see her as a person. And hearing the story, you can tell Tony is heartbroken over it. And she says probably the sweetest and most gentle thing that anyone has ever said to Cheryl. And she says, I quote, Cheryl, I'm so sorry, but you have to know your mother's wrong. You're not loveless. You're not deviant. Okay. You're sensational. (laughs) I know. I'm about to start crying. (laughs) At this point. Tony basically becomes Cheryl's main point of cover, her stability and her rock. Shortly after, um, there's a reading of her father's will and she invites Tony to be her support during this. Now, of course, because it's Riverdale, there's about 15 dramatic things that happen during this five minute scene. But it's fine. And then um, Cheryl ends up inviting Tony to dinner at the residence with her mother and then her dad's brother that randomly shows up during one of those 15 dramatic things that happened during the well reading. (laughs) So basically at this point though, when Cheryl and Tony, Tony's at dinner, 
the brother or her uncle, Cheryl's uncle, makes some fucking comment about being on the island of Lesbos when he was in the army and it's clearly directed towards them. So at this point, we every single person watching knows something's going to happen, but also like Cheryl's like, mom yes, is catching okay. wind. I'm and- sorry, my favorite poet is also Sappho. <laughs> and also you can suck a dick, but not mine. Just saying. Okay. Once again, on top of Tony being as cute as a button, here's my next reference of Tony being as cute. And if you don't know me at all, I love buttons. So this <laughs> phrase is one of the best phrases ever to me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Brittany is very obsessed with buttons. Oh, I love we- buttons. <laughs> So, on top of Tony being as cute as a button, oh, she's smart and sassy, and she can also sing, and she can dance, because she's perfect. And she ends up joining <laughs> Cheryl's Vixens, who are the cheerleading squad, yes. and Cheryl ends up celebrating by holding a big slumber party with Tony, Veronica, Josie, and Betty. Finally, they seem to seem like they're just doing normal high school stuff, until Cheryl... She ends up telling everyone that she held this slumber party because she doesn't like being alone in the house because she thinks that her estranged uncle who just randomly showed up and her mother are plotting to get rid of her and her Nana Rose. Then that night, while they're asleep, they are awoken by a loud bang outside. Nana Rose, who's confined to a wheelchair, somehow managed to fall down, but more than likely pushed, the stairs and lay unconscious at the bottom of the stairwell. But no worries, because before all this happened, Cheryl and Tony lay awake sharing her bed. And Cheryl told her that she only wanted Tony to come, but because her mother would never allow that, she invited all the other girls. And then they, they're they about to kiss, but that's when they get interrupted when Nana Rose fell on the stairs. What the fuck, Nana Rose? Or what the fuck, Cheryl's mom, for clearly pushing Nana Rose oh, down the stairs. All right, so a few days later, Tony notices Cheryl hasn't been around, hasn't been to school, and she's like, I assume she's called her and texted her and hasn't gotten anything back, and like any normal fucking teenager, I'm sure Cheryl's phone is normally attached to her motherfucking hand. Yep, so I'm 30 and my phone is attached to my hand, and so she goes to Cheryl's house and is like, hey... Can I talk to Cheryl? Penelope answers the door and tells her that she sent Cheryl away to like some boarding school in Sweden or something like that. Okay. Yeah, some far, I don't know if it's exactly Sweden, but somewhere where she couldn't just like go find Cheryl, right? Turns out you can't even email her yes. there. And is like, hey, don't fucking come back. So Tony's like, mm, fuck you. This is weird and I don't like any of this situation. Okay, so a little sidebar here, but it's important to the story, so I had to bring it in. There's, I guess it's a school for troubled kids, and I'm doing quotations here. Hard quotes. Close to Riverdale, and it's called Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Oh, Jesus. And it so plays, it's like a nun school? Yes. And it actually plays a big part, and uh, little parts all throughout Riverdale, and none of them are good. So this is where Betty's parents ended up sending Polly when they found out she was pregnant. And they told Betty that Polly just had a mental break and she was at an an asylum to help her. But she was really just at this Sisters of Quiet Mercy because she was pregnant with Jason Blossom's kids. 
And, and they weren't like, hey, we're secretly related. So you yeah, and the, have so the father was freaking out and the mom was just freaking out because she was like, my teenage daughter is pregnant. But the dad was like, oh, hey, they're oh, related. Oh, no, it's going um, to be Yeah, so they sent her there to basically hide that she was pregnant and they wanted to adopt off her kids. Did she ever have that kid? Yes, she has twins. Oh. And they, they come up later. I'm excited. Um, and then it's found out that Betty's mom, Alice, was actually also pregnant as a teenager and she gave up her son to them. Oh. So Betty's mom was a serpent. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. And she That's got knocked out by FP. Then the whole Dungeon and Dragons things happen. Which I haven't watched. But which I is season three, which will come well. up a little, but not too much. And she, that's when she ended up going over to Betty's dad. He's a serial killer. You made yes. the wrong choice. Wrong choice. But she went to him. They were high school sweethearts and ended up getting married. But she ended up having the baby, but just giving him away without anyone knowing. So... In a total side rant that has nothing to do with anything, Mm -hmm. their brother, who is actually Charles, who is in the show, Riverdale, he came in in season four, Jughead and Betty are dating, and technically Charles is both of their half-brothers, but they're not related at all. Yeah, it's one of those weird situations, which is why you don't live in a small town and stay in a small town. Jeez. (laughs) Which is why we moved to Vegas from Massachusetts. I know no one here, and that's what I like. (laughs) I don't want to fucking make friends with murderers. (laughs) I don't want to be murdered. Mm. All right. Um, So basically, this place is bad. At one point, Betty even ends up there, and it's just all not good. So Tony does investigation and finds out that Cheryl is here, because guess what they also do there? Conversion therapy. No! Oh, of yes. course. Ugh. Of course they do, because they're the shittiest place on earth. <sighs> so, Tony's like, hey, Veronica, want to help me break Cheryl out? And Veronica is like, hell yeah, let's fucking go. She wears this? this little stealth suit with this giant boob window. I don't know, when heels. I'm like, why are we guys wearing $500 heels to yeah, do this? the least stealth suit of all the stuff. It's fine. Suits. I mean, it's all black. <laughs> so her and Veronica break in through some underground tunnels to save Cheryl. Tony finds her in a room watching a movie about how gay people are bad. And since for some reason there are no nuns or adults around, she's None like, of those adults. <laughs> This is where they actually end up sharing their first kiss. And and it's literally, so this movie is being projected. They're in a dark room and it's being projected on a projector. So they literally kiss right in front of the projector of this anti-gay movie in front of a room full of kids that are going through this awful program just because they're gay. Which is basically bombass.com on its own. So they leave, they meet up with Veronica, and they all escape successfully. Do they take down the place? No, that comes later. It does get taken down. As long as it gets But right now, it does not. One thing at a time. Yeah, because it's literally just Veronica. So mostly everybody knows this place is awful, other than, like, any person that has the authority to actually take it down. Yes. 
And right now it's like it was only Veronica and Tony. And Veronica has pull because she's rich and her dad is Hiram Lodge. But With Tony is a nobody. She yeah. is just a south side serpent. So whole bunch of things end up happening. But, you know, long story short, someone else ends up dead because the blackhead kills them. <laughs> you called him the blackhead. <laughs> <laughs> Blackhead, whatever the hood is over his head. So in the end, it all is the same. <laughs> Just gonna get one of those fucking Neutrogena strips. <laughs> his skin is really clear. Okay. Okay. So it is the Black Hood who is the serial killer shrug, basically running rampant through this town right now. But everybody thinks it was a serpent who was basically sort of caught cheating with the girl that ended up being murdered. She'd been in this long-term relationship with this boy who was actually a closeted gay and was having a side relationship with Kevin, who is the the gay of Riverdale and is amazing. And because they think it's a serpent and they still aren't cool with the serpents, Basically, a giant riot breaks out throughout the town of Riverdale, right? The serpents against the rich white people. And during the reason I bring this up is because during all these riots that break out, a fucking shame serpent named Penny ends up kidnapping Tony. A what serpent? uh, A serpent. A shamed serpent. So Shame. Okay. I didn't hear that. Yeah. A shamed serpent named Penny kidnaps Tony. So what does Cheryl do when she finds this out? Jughead's like, hey, your girlfriend was kidnapped. And Cheryl's like, Cheryl, badass, shows up in a red hooded cape with a bow and arrow aimed at her, basically Kate fucking Bishop, and ends up basically being able to get uh, Tony free because she like shoots an arrow and is like, fuck you, the next one will be in between your fucking eyeballs because I don't fucking yeah, <laughs> yes. okay, I have to re- watch the rest of Riverdale yes. because I was already too attracted to Cheryl <laughs> as is. So they let Tony go and Ch- Tony share Tony. a wonderful <laughs> rainbow-filled embrace. Oh. And this ends up basically making Cheryl an honorary member of the Serpent and she ends up getting a bombshell serpent jacket in her signature red. All right, so that's the end of season two. Um, Archie. Yeah, don't worry. I and uh, but that's the season I talk about the most because that's yeah. when their relationship begins. So it's the most important. It's Everything else funny. is squished down. Season two ends when Archie ends up being arrested. Season three begins with him being in jail. That doesn't really have much to do with the power couple, but it kind of gives a timeline of where we're at. If you're confused, because who the fuck knows what happened <laughs> at Riverdale? Um, so the two uh, host at end of the summer pool party that basically everybody who is anybody is at. And they are sitting in this large, elegant, old, tiny, you know, like velvet with wood couch that has enough room for at least two other people to sit on. But you can tell that clearly no one else is allowed to sit here. They are literally at the edge of the pool. This is a throne. Yes. Understand who the queens are. It is. Yes. And that's what I said. That is a throne. They are the queens. They are <laughs> sitting on it by the edge of the pool in a bathing suit and these fucking bomb heels. 
Yes. Is that why you were like, I really want to buy heels? Yes. Watching, re-watching <laughs> Riverdale, I was seeing them all where between Cheryl and Tony and fucking Veronica, I'm like, oh, I need a new pair of heels. Well, um, there's also a cute uh, scene where they're doing this photo shoot. Cheryl is in her serpent jacket, looking perfect, of course, on a couch that literally has a crown embroidered into it. And Tony, who is known as a photographer, is taking pictures of her. Ah, cute girls as girlfriends. <sighs> right? I love it. Also to mention, and I mentioned... Canonically um, queer yes, characters. And I meant to mention earlier, because I forgot to type it in when I was mm-hmm. typing these notes, was that they're <laughs> also an interracial couple. Yes. So not only are they queer, but they are an interracial couple of Riverdale. And they're queens. Okay. So at one point, Penny ends up showing up again. This fucking bitch. She kidnaps the serpent. Yes, right? She kidnaps the serpent's dog, hot dog. That's hot dog. Yeah. Yep. And they're like, fuck this. No serpent left behind. Also, definitely not dog. Especially a dog. And so they go and successfully rescue hot dog. But they bring Tony and Cheryl along. And once again, Cheryl has her fucking bow and arrow. She gets pissed by one of the fucking slur things that one of the guys say on Penny's side. Shoots him and nails him like straight in the shoulder with an arrow. Aims her next arrow right at Penny's head and is like, hey, Fuck if you don't let us go, you're going to be fucking dead because I'm not going to fucking miss this shot. Because I don't miss. <sighs> Yes, exactly. I'm not here to fuck around because I was a rich person around. who got into archery. Exactly. And I was extremely turned on in the whole experience. That's fair. Okay. Sorry, I had to just revel in that. And the whole time she's aiming the arrow, Tony's just standing next to her like a bomb-ass bitch being like, and when she does shoot you in the head, I'm then going to go fucking shove my heel in everybody else's eyeballs. What a sweet bean, whereas I would be like, oh my god. I know. You would be Haruka in this situation. <laughs> That's honestly the biggest compliment I've had in a very long time. So fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. I get to be Haruka in any situation. I can't believe you're so cool. All right. Before we know it, for some reason, everybody in the school is playing Riverdale's versions of Dungeons and Dragons, which is called <laughs> Guardians and uh, Guardians and Gargoyles. I hate that. It's everything about Just it is awful. Call it fucking D and D. But but the thing that's different about this is there's actually death and shit in it. If you're not so careful. like D and D, bet back in like I don't know the early nineties or some shit <laughs> when people were quote unquote addicted. <laughs> Quote unquote, you had to ascend, addicted. and when you ascended, you really died. Ascend, and at some point, because of this whole thing and whatever's happening in the town, whole Vixen's cheer squad, except for Cheryl, has a seizure at the same time. It's like something in the water or something, and I guess, and of course, Cheryl would only drink bottled water, but. What good comes out of this seizure that Tony has? Because Tony does have the seizure as well because she is still a victim. Because she still drinks tap water because she's poor. Because <laughs> she's poor. Because Tony has a seizure, Cheryl takes care of Tony while she's recovering. And this is when Cheryl officially asks Tony to move in with her. And Tony's like, are you sure? Like, And Cheryl says to Tony, quote, I'm cuckoo bananas for you, Avi. And Tony's like, fine, I agree to this as long as I get to be the big spoon. 
and then you I hate Catch the void. Yep. <gasps> okay. So one of my favorite things that happens next, and it's like stupid, but it's also awesome. Whatever. So this whole town goes under quarantine for some reason. No one can go into the town, out of the town. That's not the favorite part. That's the stupid part. <laughs> but amidst the chaos of quarantine, what did these two queens do? They become fucking cat burglars, <gasps> stealing from the rich to give to themselves. Because obviously, why else would you I steal? Mean, yes. I literally think they're even wearing cat ears. It's fucking phenomenal. They end up getting caught. Because they steal something from Hiram Lodge and uh, Cheryl leaves a big fucking kiss, <laughs> kiss, a lipstick kiss on fucking Hiram Lodge's fucking painting of himself in his fucking office. So first of all, a hundred thousand percent fair because who has a painting of themselves unless somebody is like, hey, I really wanted to paint you. That's the only time He's that that's okay. Hiram Lodge. No. This ends up, they get... Obviously, they're found out. So this is what ends up getting Cheryl and intern Tony as well kicked out of the serpents. Cheryl, obviously not super worried about it because she's Cheryl. But Tony is really upset. And because she was... She, this is... Grandfather. Yes, she shit. was bloodborne to the serpents. And her grandfather, who I think is actually who is her, like, her guardian. They don't ah. go into super details. But her grandfather is in the show. Literally grandfather. Yes. And is one of the founding members of the Serpents. So the Serpents are her family. But it's okay because in a total power move and Cheryl knows that fucking Tony is upset. She ends up making a badass group of women, mostly former Serpents, to make a group of themselves called the Pretty Poisons, and Tony is in charge, and yeah, it's just basically all these badass ladies. I hate Cheryl, but I also love her. <laughs> what a good... The Pretty Poisons. No, Tony picked that name. She's even cuter. <laughs> She's cute as a button! She's an actual button. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now... At one point, the two end up getting in these bunch of these petty little arguments, and they do end up breaking up for a short while because it's a because shitty it's teen a drama show. TV teen show. Most of this happens all during the musical episodes. Can you so you can only imagine the sing offs? But they end up back together still during the musical episode, so you can only imagine the song that happens during that. But the point is, they realize they love each other and they are the better versions of themselves, especially Cheryl, <laughs> when they are with each other. Okay. Um, the breakup only lasts like a whole good two episodes, but it made some great drama for that musical episode. And the song that Tony sings is actually one of my favorite songs to spin to. Of course. You're so fucking cute. Am I as cute rude. as a button? Mm, I mean, it depends on the button. <laughs> okay. Main plot of season three is the farm, which is just a cult. Cult. Yep. Which it knows your jam over there. My jam. And the reason why I didn't bring this up a lot is because this is mostly the main story for Betty the whole time. So Betty sends Cheryl undercover into this cult to basically get information and try to figure things out. And Cheryl is like, yes, let's fucking go. But... Because it's a cult, she ends up being converted into believing that everything is cool. Because 
this is what cults do. Yeah. They trick her into believing that she's seeing and talking to her dead brother, Jason. And even though there are definitely things that she doesn't like about the cult and she knows are crazy, she doesn't want to lose being able to talk to Jason. So she kind of overlooks it. At one point, she is basically like, hey, the farm is basically making me choose the farm slash in her brain, Jason, or like dating you and doing outside school experiences. So we can't date anymore. And Tony's like, no. I don't want to lose you. Is there any way we can save our relationship? And Cheryl's like, yes, you could join the farm. And the farm is literally mentioned in season one because... Is it? Yes, because that's where Jason Blossom found refuge for him and Polly when they were going to run away. Yes. So it's not like this random thing. Like, they had been sort of planted. They planted it. Yeah. Yes. So Tony's like, okay, I will come join this cult with you because I want to be with you. But it's actually another thing that Betty tried to set up by putting Tony on the inside to figure out what's fucking happening. And Tony agrees because she wants to save Cheryl. But once again, because it's a cult, they end up dragging fucking Tony into Charisma. (laughs) Yes. This is, if you guys don't know what cults do, this is what cults do. This is why when you read about cults, you're like, how does anybody get dragged into this shit? This is fucking crazy. So eventually Betty finds her way into the cult, but when she's in the farm, so the farm, so the sisters of whatever, whatever I said earlier, (laughs) they ended up getting closed down eventually because everybody realized that they were awful. And guess who bought the facility? The farm. The farm. The sisters of whatever, whatever. Yeah, I forgot what I said. The sisters of quiet mercy. So Betty's um, in the farm and she ends up finding that what the cult does is they harvest organs from their members. Yes. So they basically sell my organs like a normal person. Right? Let me. Oh my God. If you're going to sell my organs, at least let me make sure I get some of the money from it. So Betty tells Cheryl because Cheryl and Tony are at the cult. Betty finds Cheryl and is like, hey, they're actually harvesting our organs when they do this procedure. Show Cheryl organs that they're harvesting. I and Cheryl with me in my pocket. Yes. Freaks <laughs> out because Tony is literally going into this procedure right now. So Cheryl rushes off, finds Tony, and stops the procedure before it happens, punches some nurses in the face, and they try to escape. They get to a window. Cheryl shoves Tony out a window and locks it behind her, basically sacrificing herself to the farm, being like, go get help because both of us won't be able to get out because it buys Tony time. So it ends up taking a little bit of time and a bunch of things happen, but Tony gets her pretty poisons together and she rescues Cheryl from the farm. Does Cheryl lose an organ? No, Cheryl does not lose an organ. While Cheryl is in the farm... She finds out that they have dug up her brother's body, foop, drugged her, and this is why she thought she was seeing and talking to Double foop. So they're basically putting her dead brother's body in front of her, and then because she was on drugs, she thought she was seeing him and talking to him. So that's cool. 
but <laughs> also her brother for some reason, even though it's been like two years, because this is the end of season three and, and it was season one that he died, isn't decayed at all, but whatever, it's fine. It's redhead no witchcraft. So she gets Cheryl out, they get out of the farm, the farm thinks they ascend, and then um, Betty's mom ends up killing the farm leader, and the daughter, who was actually the wife, but was posing as a teenager, goes to sit jail. But I will say this, the farm leader was real hot, and he was the lead in fucking Cinderella story, which I had to burst into Martha's room and tell her <laughs> at like 12 in the morning I when I realized. Weird job time yeah, too. Yep. I literally, I told you this story, but I'm going to tell everyone for the podcast. I literally made a post on fucking Facebook that was like, I don't get how anyone is believing this cult. What the fuck? And then he took off his shirt in an episode and I was like, I am so for this cult. Let's fucking go. Oh, no. Harvest my organs. Do I get to touch those? Do I get to watch my clothes on that fucking ash Ashboard, <laughs> washboard apps. That's where that was trying to go. <laughs> Ashboard wobs, which is way worse. Okay. <laughs> Season four. We're going to go over this very quickly because it's out of control. We're like not. one and two were a little crazy and then three fucking got crazy and then four is out of fucking control. <laughs> is four the last one? Yes. This is the one that just finished. But I am definitely going to bring up some things because there are definitely some super cute points that definitely make this fucking couple the powerhouse and the queens that they are of Riverdale. So Cheryl and Tony are still living together and they're taking care of Jason and Polly's twins. Um, Cheryl also teens up with Veronica and they end up having a kind of maple rum business. Yes, they are seniors in high school. Ever for a month. So a lot of crazy thing happens at one point. Some family members, once again, of Cheryl's just show up. They are pretty shitty because they are blossoms. The uncle attacks Cheryl at one point and Tony hits him over the head to save her. She ends up killing him. Instead of calling the cops, they pretend to bake him into a pie and convince his family that they're eating him. But they get the hell out of Dodge. So it gets to where they're Yep. That happens. What? Cheryl also thinks she's being haunted by the ghost of her dead triplet, whom she ate in the womb. Turns out that she's just being gaslighted by her mom, who's hiding in, like, the walls of her house, and she didn't actually eat her brother. What's with people eating each other in this season right now? Tony (laughs) (laughs) Tony Eat your twin in the room. (laughs) Tony remains loyal to her even though it seems that she's losing it. But she's eating her twin. (laughs) Yep. But Tony is basically Cheryl's rock and her conscience and she sees the good in her behind all the hurt and the mean and the crazy. So even though season four went off the deep end, they still have a few moments that are pretty badass and show that they are queens. So, a Halloween episode of season four, mm-hmm. they're dressed as Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. That is their costume. Oh. Yep. And then another one is Principal Honey basically forces a cheer coach on the Vixens for one of the last games of the season. Cheryl ends up locking this bitch in the locker room or something like that during the last game. And it's found out later that the coach basically had a panic attack. She was locked in this room and quit. 
Because <laughs> Cheryl's like, you're not taking my fucking mixes. No, this is mine. <laughs> Whatever. Also, in season one, the kid of a rich family that Veronica knows from New York comes for like a business visit with his parents. And he ended up drugging Cheryl and basically tried to rape her. Veronica and Josie and the Pussycats find out and they basically end up beating the shit out of him. But he ends up showing up again in season four and the Maple Rum Club that they run basically being like, I like your establishment and I want to have a party here. Ew. Cheryl, he's dealing with Tony, but Cheryl like walks into the room, sees him and then walks out because she ends up basically having a panic attack. And she tells Tony, and so what does Tony do? She brings him back in with this idea of having a private party at the Maple Club, lures him into one of their back private rooms, and then drugs him. He wakes up tied to a bed, and then Kevin and a few of the other guys that have gotten into this tickle business where they just tickle each other on video for $5,000 a fucking film. Which and is a, a fucking which is great business. Also, if anybody's into that, if you want to pay $5,000 to tickle someone oh or be tickled, I'm okay with that. It wakes up with all Kevin and all these, these couple of guys around him and basically just blackmail him by recording this video of him getting tickled. And he's shamed. They also end up running for prom queens instead of having a prom king and a prom queen. Yeah. But we don't end up seeing prom because the season got cut short because of COVID. But apparently it is going to be in season five. All right. So that is where we end up on Riverdale, how Cheryl and Tony are the fucking queens and the fucking powerhouse couple of Riverdale. And I skipped over my really bad joke that I'm sad about and I I want to find it and I want to read it to you. I want to know it. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. I found it. You ready? Yes. Yes. Let me read the whole thing. Yes. 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 It wasn't until their fourth encounter that, you know, something was, wait for it, blossoming between the two of them. Ah! Go home. Totally worth it. That's really good. I love it. (laughs) I hate it, but I also love it. Man, also, I really wish that I had a name that I could use as a pun, but I don't. So, that's where we're at. So, we're at it. Martha's name sucks. Fuck and you. And queer people it's are great. Yeah, so happy Pride, guys. So, yes, happy Pride, everyone. Stay safe. We love you. Yeah, you are. Unless little, you're you all know, those people we mentioned not to listen you know earlier. people who we said that sucked earlier? Not those You people. still suck. You still suck. Don't listen. Um, If you are queer and you don't have any, like, family members that are supportive of you, we are your family and we support you. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're your two shitty sisters who will make fun of you. At all the time. That's anytime what we can. For. But also, we will support, support you, you in your queerness. Yes. Absolutely. So everyone stay safe. Have a great, happy Pride Month. Yeah. Make sure, please, to rate, review, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Once again, I know we've mentioned every time we are on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, App, which My is Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify. You can also now find <laughs> us on the ESO Network. Which check out everybody else there. They're awesome and nerdy. And stay safe. And we will see you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.